Welcome to the Unity of the Valley Spiritual Center podcast featuring Reverend Dahlia Adams. You may visit us online at unityvacaville.org or you may visit us in person at 350 North Orchard Avenue in Vacaville, California. And now, here is Reverend Dahlia Adams. Welcome. My name is Reverend Dahlia Adams, and I am so honored to spend this time with you today. Beginning today, we will spend seven weeks focusing on a theme, and the theme is living fearlessly. And I think it's a theme that most people can relate to. Because fear is an experience that I believe we have all had. And when we are in fear, the thought or the possibility of living fearlessly sounds so delicious, so wonderful. So we will be talking about how we can recreate ourselves or shift our perceptions, our consciousness in a way that we are no longer at the mercy of fear, that we no longer get paralyzed by fear. And to do this over the next seven weeks, we will be following a book written by Guy Finley called The Essential Laws of Fearless Living. Find the power to never feel powerless again. And Guy Finley, actually, I just discovered him. I was looking for a book by another Finley, a man named James Finley, and I found Guy Finley. And he has an interesting story. He was raised by fairly well known parents who were in the entertainment business. He started out early in life as a musician. He performed as a musician, although his strength was as a composer. He composed music for movies, for TV series, for artists like Diana Ross. Um, And he was doing really, really well. He was very successful. At a young age, he was doing amazingly well. And yet inside of him, there was this emptiness. There was a very painful emptiness. And out of that, he decided to let all of this successful career go. And he went to India seeking a spiritual answer to that inner ache that he was feeling. And he found teachers in India. He, he learned about self-realization, which is a process of awakening to the truth of who we are. It's a coming to know ourselves in a very deep and profound level. It's, it's an approach to the questions, what is God or what is the divine and what am I? And what is the relationship or how do those two come together? Or maybe it's not even two, maybe it's a oneness. So he was a spiritual seeker in India. He came back and then studied under other spiritual teachers here in the West. 
And then he began writing about what he had learned about what he learned from others and what he learned from his inner spiritual experiences. And he was a very successful author. I stopped counting how many books at 15. So he was very prolific. He's been a teacher of spiritual principles, a speaker, a workshop leader. And he founded an organization called the Life of Learning Foundation, which I believe is still online, if you would be interested. So we're letting him guide us a little bit through these next seven weeks. And today, we are going to talk about changing our altitude. Change your altitude. And you may have seen this talk today advertised as change your attitude. And that's the blessings of autocorrect in our world. So we are really, truly talking about change your altitude. And the story goes, and this is a story that Guy Finley told in his book, that there was a woman named Rebecca who was wanting to be successful in the field of geological surveying. And she had education that, that prepared her for it, but she thought that if she became licensed as a pilot, that she would be even more successful because she was wanting to work in Alaska. So she found a bush pilot to be her flight instructor, and she was learning both from books and through flights with her bush pilot instructor. And it was their fourth time going up in the plane. And her instructor looks at her and says, okay, you take over. And she became excited and thrilled because this is what she dreamed up, to actually be holding the controls of an airplane, being the one flying the plane. And she's in this moment of being thrilled and happy and looks forward and sees that she's heading right into a mountain. Maybe this one, maybe not. But it was a big snow-covered mountain, and she froze. She panicked. She didn't, she just sat there and allowed the plane to keep moving toward that mountain. And then something finally kind of got her attention and she shifted out of that freeze. You know how when we're afraid there's a flight freeze or fight response? She was in freeze. And she realized what she was doing. She looked over at her instructor and said, would you please take over? So she shifted out of frozen and just fearful and reached out for help, which is an appropriate thing to do when we're afraid. But her instructor very calmly said, no, I don't think so. This is your flight. And so she starts going into panic again. And he saw this and he waited for her to shift out of the fear. And he was just about to maybe take the controls over, and she asked him, what should I do? And his answer was, change your altitude. 
And it was at that moment she regained control and she pulled back on the controls. She made the plane rise above the mountain and next thing she knew, they were safe and the mountain was behind them. So this is essentially what we're talking about today. She, she was in that space of knowing who she was. She was willing to take the controls to fly the, the plane. Danger came up, or what she perceived as danger, she froze. She asked for help. She asked again, and it was when she came back into knowing who she was and the power that she had. I mean, she was holding the controls. That she was able to do what was needed and whatever seemed to cause the free freeze was no longer overwhelming, no longer crippling, and she flew over the mountain. I know what that feels like when I was maybe 18 years old, give or take a year, I was learning how to drive a stick shift. I had a boyfriend at the time who was, who was a very good teacher, and we practiced in parking lots and on level ground, and then we practiced on sliding clines. And I finally got to a point where I was feeling pretty darn confident, and I could move through the gears easily and what felt like effortlessly. So we went out into the city streets and there was a slight incline because we were approaching a railroad track and I was focused on balancing the clutch and the gas and making sure that I made it up this very slight incline. And I got to the part that was level where the tracks were and I hear a train. And I turned to my left and at the same time, the bell started clanging, and behind me, the gate was closing because a train was coming. And when I looked to the left, I remember thinking, it's not supposed to be this close. It's not supposed to be this big. And I froze. I had my foot on the brake, the other foot on the clutch, and I froze. And I could hear the train coming closer, and I was frozen looking forward. And my boyfriend at the time was saying something. I couldn't make it out. I was frozen. And apparently what he did is his consciousness shifted. He had an adrenaline rush that helped him, and he pushed me and the car across the railroad tracks with my foot on the brake the whole time. So. God bless him. <laughs> he wouldn't be here today if he didn't do that. I wasn't able to shift into that consciousness of knowing my power in that situation. I had help, thank God, and I made it through. But that's our challenge whenever we're facing something that feels fearful, that ability to shift from that state of being fear-driven or fear-frozen or to that ability to know who I am and that in this moment there is a power within me that I can rely on, 
that can, I can use and let it move through me. And as I claim my power, I come to a different consciousness, a different altitude, if you will. That consciousness of fear we could compare to a very low level of consciousness. And as we change our altitude, we grab hold of a higher consciousness, a consciousness of knowing who I am. Guy Finley in his book says, stop identifying with who you are not. Because when we identify with that helpless, small, overwhelmed person, we, we get locked in that fear. And he says our task is not to identify with who we are not. And I don't remember where I read this a while ago, but it's stuck in my mind because I liked it. Essentially, our task is not to believe everything we think and not to believe everything we feel. Now, that gets a little tricky because sometimes we think high and noble thoughts and we're being discerning, and that's fine, and we can recognize that we are using our mental capacity, the ability of our minds to help us understand better. And we can do that, but even our founder, Charles Fillmore, when he would deliberate like that and discern and deepen his understanding, he said, I reserve the right to change my mind because he acknowledged that to the best of my understanding right now, this is what I believe, but I might understand more deeply going forward. So I'm not going to cling to this. I'm going to be willing to let it go. If it becomes clear, I should let these thoughts go. But sometimes our thoughts are not elevated or discerning or intentional at all. It's just knee-jerk reactions, or we go back to the old script, the old tape from childhood, I'm not good enough, that was stupid, I can't believe I did that. Or like the mountain or the train, we look at a challenge and we feel overwhelmed and we think there's no way. Those are the thoughts particularly that we should not feel like we have to believe. When I worked as a psychologist, that would be something we would work with in our sessions, in our counseling sessions, is looking at what are the thoughts that are going through your mind that you are believing just because they're going through your mind. There's this human tendency is, well, the thought came up for me, so it must be who I am. It must be true for me. Not at all. Not at all the case when we look at what we're thinking. And if we stand back from that thought and ask ourselves, scale of one to 10, how true is this thought? A lot of times it gets a two or a three or a four. And yet we hold on to it for dear life and we let those thoughts cripple us. So we need to give ourselves permission to not necessarily believe every thought we think. In the same way, not to believe what we're feeling. And I'm not saying deny our feelings 
or to ignore our feelings because being authentic and living fully means acknowledging the feelings that come up for us. And sometimes it means being very tender and compassionate with ourselves as we acknowledge some of the feelings that come up. But those feelings, like those thoughts, are not the truth of who we are. A person can be in profound grief. And in that moment, it feels like that grief is going to last forever. I've had people to tell me, I can't imagine ever having a moment when this grief isn't there. That's the part you don't believe. We acknowledge that that feeling is coming up and that some sort of appropriate response might be called for, but that feeling does not define you. Over time, that grief may not go away, but it becomes less intense. It doesn't come up as often. It doesn't last as long. And the truth of who you are, the truth of what that person is, is bigger than the grief. Or we become afraid, and the truth of who we are is bigger than the fear. Again, acknowledging the fear, responding to it, but knowing that this feeling or this thought doesn't limit who I am. It is a thought or a feeling that in this moment is moving through me. Guy Finley wrote, stop identifying with thoughts and emotions that move through you. Honor them, feel them, respond to them, but they are thoughts and feelings that are moving through you. A year from now, two years from now, or maybe an hour from now, those thoughts and those feelings, those emotions might not be true for you anymore. It's kind of tricky. We honor, we acknowledge, we give them the space, we respond to them, but we know, we know that we are more than any thought or any feeling that may come up. If there is a thought or a feeling that seems to be not serving us, if there's a fear that is crippling us, it's okay to let it go in whatever ways we find. If there is a thought with which we hurt ourselves, it's okay to let it go. It may not be true at all. Guy Finley went on to urge us to become watchful of the thoughts that pass through our minds in the same way we can become watchful of the feelings and the emotions that come up. But instead of identifying with the thought or the feeling, to identify with the you that is watching, to identify with that which is watching the thoughts, that which is noticing the thoughts, that which is acknowledging the feelings. So we identify with something greater than that thought or feeling, that sense of presence within us, that sense 
of I am, the I am of me, is watching the thoughts that go through my mind. The I am that is the truth of me is noticing the feelings that come up. That allows me or allows anyone who's doing this to feel greater, larger, more powerful than the thought or the feeling. Sometimes, I mean, some feelings are, are really strong, but just trusting that in the long run, over time, that which I am is greater than even this. Guy Finley wrote, Seek out and stand on the unshakable ground of true self. There is a part of you. There is a part of me that is unshakable in the face of anything. The task is to reach that part, to seek it out, to find it, and to stand on that unshakable ground of true self. Patanjali, he was um, a teacher, a sage in ancient India. He wrote, you discover yourself to be a greater person by far than you ever dreamed yourself to be. So when we're able to do that, when we're able to seek out, find, and stand on that unshakable ground of self, we discover how amazing we are. And that's a very important part of our spiritual journey. It's a very important part of getting rid of the hold that fear sometimes has on us. Again, Guy Finley wrote in his book, Be one with who you really are, and waves of a thousand passing worlds cannot wash you away. So when we are one with that, truth of our being, there is nothing, nothing that can disturb that, move it, damage it, wash it away. So knowing who we are, we come to know what Jesus taught, that each and every one of us, through our oneness with God, through that Christ within us, the truth of our being is that we are the light of the world. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So this is we seek out and find that ground of being that allows us to know this truth. And fear has no power, no power in the face of knowing this. And so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support this podcast, you may do so at unityvacaville.org.